Welcome to the Mini Break, your daily podcast for the biggest storylines, results, and controversies from the tennis world. Today is Friday, May 21st. Folks, there's an energy in the atmosphere down here in Orlando. Not only do we have players and coaches beginning to filter in for the individual events beginning next week, but there are only two days left of this 2021 college tennis team season, and the tennis has just gotten better and better with every passing day. Of course, here on Friday, we've got the men's and women's semifinals set to begin on Saturday. It will be championships to decide who our winners are here during this season, and I could not be more excited to cover all of the action. Of course, I have been so grateful to all of you players, coaches, fans who have approached me, Chris, Matt, who are all on site now in Orlando and expressed uh, your gratitude, your, I suppose, fandom for the podcast. And I say this every show, but sincerely, if you are a listener, you are down here in Orlando and you haven't already, come say hello. It means the world to us to know that the shows that we are doing, the content we are creating here for the College Tennis Universe is being so well received. And sincerely, again, it means not just the world to me, but to super producer Daniel Westoff, Dalton Thieneman, all of us here at Crack Racket. So thank you so much for your continued support and thank you for creating sincerely I think my favorite atmosphere for an in-person event I have ever attended and look there was a big announcement a couple of days ago the NCAA deciding to go to 100% capacity at these NCAA championships oh my gosh has the atmosphere been electric all of these matches whether it's you know the 11 a.m. matches or even as late as 8 9 10 even at this point midnight 1 a.m. uh it's just there's a vibe and it is what makes college tennis so special it's what makes the product so different from anything else in the tennis world and it's why we've become addicted to it here at Cracked Racket so of course what I want to do for all of you listeners today Set the scene for a semifinal Friday. What I'm going to be doing on this podcast is just going to be me, Han Solo. That's, I suppose, the downside of these matches ending at 12.30, 1 a.m. every night. Uh, I'm going to recap the quarterfinals here for the women, preview the semifinal matches we have here Friday as well. It's just going to be women on this podcast, but rest assured, I'm going to get Matt the Cracks to Koyak to join me on a Great Shot podcast today as well to recap the men's quarterfinals, preview the men's semifinals. Final action as well. Unfortunately, turns out Chris Helioris has a real job, and as such, he's going to be working that real job during the day. Of course, this weekend, I will drag his ass, I promise you, onto the podcast because of the fact that we haven't spoken with him in a week and the fact that we've all been down here and we haven't been able to do an in-person podcast yet, it's a tragedy. And of course, it's a tragedy I hope to rectify because that's the sort of content all of you listeners deserve, and I have to say, to have the College Tennis Holy Trinity all in person even beyond the extraordinary tennis. It's just, it's been a delight. It's so great to get to hang out, not just with Maddie, but the entire Stokowiak family. And again, all of you out there are, who I consider my Cracked Rackets family who have made doing this podcast and you know being so invested in the college tennis world just immensely worthwhile. So again, the goal for today's podcast, I'm going to recap all of the women's quarterfinals from, I think they were played on Wednesday, who knows what day of the week it is anymore, and then I'm going to preview the semifinal matches as well. Of course, the reason we're able to do that day in, day out here on this show is because of the support we get from all of you listeners, from our Crack Rackets Patreon family, and of course, from our friends at Midwest Sports. Go to MidwestSports.com and use that promo code CR15 to get 15% off your order. Free two-day shipping on all orders exceeding $75. And best of all, a free can 
of Wilson Extra Duty Tennis Balls. Of course, you're also going to find, you know, the best staff in the business. They're just, you know, not only are they so familiar with every product they've got in their store, but they're going to help you in any way that they can. So again, go to MidwestSports.com, use that promo code CR15 to let them know we sent you there. All right, here's the order for today's podcast. I'm going to go chronologically. We'll start with NC State, Georgia, Texas, Florida State. We're then going to preview that NC State, Texas match. Then we'll get to the nightcaps and I don't think I've recovered from the nightcaps yet. I would argue the single best match of the tournament, as good as the USC-Texas men's match was last night. Pepperdine-UCLA is everything NCAA tennis is supposed to be. We'll talk about that match. We'll get into UNC-Duke, and then we'll preview. I can't believe it's a semifinal, but we'll preview that Pepperdine-UNC match that's scheduled for later tonight here on Friday. Again, uh, we're going to start chronologically, so let's get right into it. NC State, Georgia. Oh my goodness. Can these NC State Wolfpack play? And if you heard me recap the round of 16 and preview the quarterfinal round, you heard me waffle. I really, really wanted to pick NC State because there's just, again, I, I hate to keep using this word, but what differentiates all of these teams at this point, it's not the talent. Everyone's got talent. To make the Final Four, you have to be the best of the best in college tennis. And at this point, it comes down to the intangible qualities. It comes down to the energy. Do you and your teammates have one another's back when you get pressed against the wall? Can you maintain your level of play, your aggression, your patterns when there is additional pressure placed on you? And the answer for this NC State Wolfpack team is an unequivocal yes. And I have to say, having finally gotten the chance to be down here, hang out with NC State head coach Simon Earnshaw, A, if you want to talk college tennis, if you want to get into the weeds, I don't know if there's a better person in the nation to talk to than Simon, but B, that it factor, that it quality, these NC State Wolfpack have it. And of course, it helps when you've got super seniors and seniors like, uh, you know, Anna Rogers, Alana Smith, Adriana Riemi uh, on the roster leading the way. But just the performance from these NC State Wolfpack in the quarterfinal, it was simply spectacular. They stuck to their plays. They didn't waver. And in the doubles, they came out absolutely swinging. And, you know, it was, I, I talked about this last time. I think Rodgers and Smith is the best doubles team I've seen in the nation. Just their power, their length, their aggression. Uh, they can take it to anyone. They play on their terms. The double set is always on their racket. But, of course, they ran into a top 10 team in the country in Katarina Jokic, Ariana Arsenault. And, you know, that match went unfinished, which I don't think is surprising to all of us college tennis fans. It was on serve 6-5. Rodgers and Smith were down but serving uh, at the time of the clinch. And the reason they didn't get to finish that match is because their teammates were so good at the bottom of the lineup. And look, you know, we've talked about the ACC Women's Conference, how much better it was than everyone else in college tennis this year. And legitimately, it was. I mean, look at the round of 16 field. There were six different teams. Look at the quarterfinals. You had UNC. You had Duke. You had NC State. You had a team that I am blanking on, Florida State. There it is. I knew there was another one. And, you know, you can just tell how battle-tested these ACC teams are. They don't blink. They don't flinch. They're not rattled by any moment. I know all three of those things mean the same thing. Again, it's been six days. I think I've slept a total of six hours. That's not true. But hyperbole always makes for better podcasting. Anyways, 
you look at the rankings, you know, the number two doubles team for NC State is actually their highest ranked team. Jada Daniel, Adriana Riemi, uh, who are number five in the country, and then Abigail Ranchelli, Amelia Rejecki, uh, they're number 42 in the country. And you look at the numbers, again, NC State has had so much success in doubles. You look throughout the season, they've only dropped the doubles point on four different occasions. And you look at this team, what have they played now? 25 matches, so they're 21-4 in in doubles. And I mean, by the numbers, Roger Smith, 17-5, and five. Daniel Riemi, 16-4, and four. and it's funny because Rejecki Rinchelli almost never get to finish matches, but, you know, they're 12-1 and one as well. They're just, this is a really, really good team, and they play such aggressive tennis, whether it's, you know, not necessarily directly serve and volley, but serve plus one ball, get two up at the net take the impetus, you know, be the aggressors, put your opponents on your back foot, make them beat you. And it's really, really hard to do that because, again, of the power, the length, the explosiveness of these doubles teams. Uh, Again, Daniel and Riemi, that's a number one doubles team for 90% of teams uh, in the country. And just the way they were, they were the aggressors against Kristofi and Kopic. They had more power. They were at the net and they were saying, okay, you think you can make the passing shot? You think you can make the lob over my head? Good luck to you. And if you do, I'll clap my racket. But, you know, we're going to put you on your back foot. And that's exactly what Daniel and Riemi were able to do. They take a 6-4 set to, you know, earn that first double set. And then, you know, it says on the order that number one doubles finished first. That's incorrect. It was Rinchelli Rejecki who earned that 7-5 win over Kowalski and Ma at number three doubles. And again, they were just the more aggressive team. They stuck to their plays, their patterns. It was... They, again, they they weren't rattled by the moment, and considering it was NC State's first NCAA quarterfinal, would have been justified if they were. But then, once they took that doubles point, and if you heard the preview podcast, you know why I waffled as I was like, oh, well, if NC State takes the doubles point, it's just so hard to find three wins against any of these teams. And again, we've played 24 matches here in Orlando. The team that wins the doubles point, 22-2 and two in those matches. NC State was, you know, they're part of that trend. They take the doubles point, and then the aggression we saw, because, you know, we know what we're going to get from Anna Rogers at one. We know what we're going to get from Alana Smith at two, but the story for these NC State Wolfpack is the bottom of the lineup, and in particular, that heart of the singles core, three, four, five, Riemi, Daniel Renshelli. You look coming into this match, uh, Adriana Riemi, 15-5 and five at the number three singles position, 18-6 and six in dual matches this year. Jada Daniel, 15-8 and eight in dual matches, 14-6 and six at number four. And I have to say, and I gave them a shout-out in person, the Jada Daniel fan section is the unequivocal best fan section of all of the, you know, there are a lot of great families, a lot of love on these courts. I think that's the best part about being here in college tennis, and I think a lot of you guys know uh, I come from a family of love. My, I, You're not going to meet two more affectionate people than Laura and Michael Gruskin, and you know, you can't be me, right? You can't be ridiculous. You can't embrace your creativity unless you have parents who allow you to embrace that creativity when you're younger. That's why I am who I am. And again, we're a very hugging, touchy family. It's always a kiss on the head, kiss on the cheek. That's what we do. Clearly, that's the Daniel family as well. So that's my vibe. And, you know, they get loud. They get amped. I just, I love them. I absolutely love them. But I'll tell you what, Jada Daniel, the lefty, 
explosive game, and she just kept attacking, 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 keeping her opponent again on the back foot, coming to the net, and just, you know, forcing in this instance, obviously, Morgan Kopich to hit a bunch of passing shots, and just, you know, Kopich wasn't able to get into her plays because Daniel kept disrupting her rhythm, and it's a credit to Jade Daniel, who you look, you know, she is another one of those seniors in the lineup. I mean, there's seniors everywhere in this lineup for NC State, and you can just see they're playing with nothing to lose. They're playing as if it's their last week on the job. Let's leave it all out on the court. She was just so aggressive, um, was Jada Daniel. Such an impressive performance at number four singles. Of course, you know, you look before that, I went a little out of order. First of all, Kat Jokic is a stud. And, you know, for Georgia, after they dropped that doubles point, there was absolutely some fire in that belly coming out to start the singles. And it's a credit to Kat Jokic, who was so uh, tunnel visioned in those in in a good sense in that she was saying I'm getting this point on the board as fast as humanly possible for my Georgia Bulldogs so that I can get back on court and cheer my teammates on and that was what was so impressive about Kat Jokic's performance and uh you know what the hard part is about this is that people have to lose these matches. I'm so excited for the winners but I watch these teams afterwards I start to choke up. I'm a little bit embarrassed because there's just so much fight, tenacity, grit left out on those courts. Kat Jokic embodies everything college tennis is supposed to be about, and if she wins the individual singles event, it should surprise no one because she's clearly starting to play her best tennis. We've said it before. We'll say it again. There's pro tennis coming in her future. She just moved Rogers around the court so well. She was the one dictating, and she earned the quickest victory in this singles match, 6-2, 6-2, and now it was one all. But again, you have to credit this NC State team. They won three first sets. They defended all of those first sets. And we go now, you know, to uh, to Adriana Riemi at that number three singles position. When you can have, you know, the fifth-year senior playing number three singles who on a lot of teams would be a top-two player, again, it's a, it's a power brand of tennis. And we talked to Coach Simon Earnshaw, and I really should have Super Producer Daniel Westoff input uh, the press clips. I'll, it's just a little bit difficult, and I know he's on the move today, but talking to Simon after the match, he, he emphasized that fact. He talked about, look, we that's our plan. That's our play. We talk about playing to win. We talk about playing on our terms. And if someone beats us, you, you clap your racket. You say, good job. You were too good today. But his bet is that it's really, really hard to beat them when they're playing aggressive tennis. And he's absolutely right. And just, you know, again, Riemi took it to Kowalski, 6-1-6-4. And I have to apologize to Meg Kowalski. I tweeted something out after the match. There was an exchange between her and Riemi, and I implied that Kowalski was, you know, upset with a couple of calls Riemi makes. That could not have been further from the truth, and I am so embarrassed to have insinuated that because I really do try my best to, you know, not run with unverified information. I try my best to be, you know, again, a a real journalist with verified sources and, you know, offer you all correct information so you're in the loop, and I was wrong. Kowalski, who is perhaps the classiest person in college tennis, was not, in fact, uh, accosting Riemi for making bad calls. She was simply saying the chair umpire was incorrect. You shouldn't have been overruled. I sincerely apologize. And thus, I sincerely apologize to Meg Kowalski to imply nefarious motives. Again, that was the least of my intentions. And just check yourself, Alex. That's on me. Unforced error. I, again, sincerely apologize. Could not have been classier Meg Kowalski. But again, Adriana Riemi, just power, 
power, power. And then, you know, it came down to number five singles where Abigail Ranchelli, Marta Gonzalez, it was a back and forth affair. And, you know, again, it, it felt like Marta, I think she went up an early lead in that tiebreaker 5-3. And you felt to yourself, oh, man, like if she can get the split, you look elsewhere. You know, Kristoffi uh, had earned a 7-5-6-2 win over Lexi Cabrilla at six. And, oh, my God, did Kristoffi grind at six and just work Cabrilla around the court. She was excellent. Uh, and then, you know, Leah Ma, Alana Smith. Ma takes the first set 7-5. Alana Smith uh, 6-4 in the second. That match was just a battle. But, you know, if you're Georgia, you, you already watched Leah Ma earn a clinch for you in the round of 16. So had it come down to that, you probably, you know, you feel pretty comfortable. But look, Ren Shelley kept swinging. And she was down 6-5 set point in the tiebreaker uh, at in, in the second set. And she hits this backhand cross-court winner. The word is gumption. I know I tweet that a lot, but oh my god, the gumption on Rinchelli to go for that shot in that moment, it epitomizes NC State playing to win 6-all. She then, you know, takes the next two points, 8-6, and there's your 4-2 victory for NC State. And now, you know, it was the first quarterfinal in program history. It's the first semifinal in program history. And you know who deserves to reach a semifinal before they all graduate? This NC State senior class, Rogers, Smith, Riemi, Daniel, all of them, Lexi Cabrillo, I mean, all of these players. I, I'm not going to name drop the entire roster, but I've said it this whole recap. They play to win. They are so, 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 so talented, and they belong in the NC semi, NC, uh, NCAA semifinals. Now, again, what a fight from this Georgia team. 90% of seasons, this Georgia team has enough talent to get over the finish line, get to an NCAA final, perhaps even win the title. And honestly, this year, a couple of things break their way. They can probably do that as well. But look, this was my hesitancy with Georgia is sometimes they play matches that are on their opponent's rackets. And a lot of times they just grind you down and they just stay alive until you wear down. And that's how they earn their victories. NC State did not back down. They did not wear down in this matchup. You know, again, they earn a 4-2 victory and advance to the first semifinal in program history, where now they're going to face a juggernaut in these Texas Longhorns. And, you know, I'm not going to lie. I was a little unimpressed by Texas in their round of 16 win over Ohio State. Now, of course, I was at the National Indoors. I saw this group and how talented they were, how they blitzed through everyone to get to that final, how they were, and I'm sorry for keep saying this, but how they were five good minutes away from straight up beating North Carolina, like 4-1 in that final. But Texas flexed their muscles in this quarterfinal to advance 4-0 over a very good Florida State team. And it started in doubles where, you know, uh, FSU, uh, or excuse me, where they got a quick win from LeBrana and Tarati at number two. And, oh man, is uh, is Anna Tarati playing on a mission? The senior just, you're, I don't think she's missed a ball here in Orlando. And just, again, she is such a tough out physically, mentally, just can do so many different things. Such a good counterpuncher. And then, you know, to pair her with her polar opposite game style wise, the power of Fernanda Lebrana, that is an excellent doubles team. And for them to take it 6-1 to the number eight team in the country of Nadini Das and Andrea Garcia, it's a testament to this Texas team. And then Again, I like Smith and Rogers more right now. The team that might be the best team in college tennis over the next three years is Kylie Collins and Lulu Sun. They play to win. It's a lefty-righty combo. They're aggressive. They pop off volleys at the net. I watched Lulu Sun hit a forehand poach volley, and there was just a sound that came off the racket. And I'm sorry, but if, you know, again, it's a a superficial thing. I wish I could recreate it. It was was terrible. But there was a really nice pop. And it's just the sound that you're like, oh, that's different than everyone else. Like, oh, you can hit a volley like that? 
uh, teach me your ways. And, like, it was just so impressive. And, again, shout-out to Julia Peroni, um, Petra Hule. They earn a 6-3 win over Stearns and Shavatapan. And keep that thought in mind for a second. But, you know, Collins and Son... They were the aggressive team. They got two up. They were at the net. And it's not that Emmanuel Salas and Victoria Allen played poorly. It was that Collins and Son played great. They earned a 6-3 victory to, again, give Texas the doubles point. And when you drop the doubles point against Texas, you're just in trouble. And, you know, again, if you listen to our Round of 16 recap podcast, if you listen to the quarterfinal preview, you heard me express, I don't want to say doubt, but express, you know, a little concern in the level of Peyton Stearns, and we all know she hits a pro ball. She can hit the ball as hard as anyone in the women's game, but she had struggled in that first match. Arena Cantos Ciamares took it to her, 6-2, 6-1, was moving the ball around the court so well. Stearns just couldn't find her rhythm. Well, she found it, folks, and that's a scary thought for the Texas Longhorns. 0-1 victory at number one singles. Now, Perone struggled throughout the match, absolutely, but that result had to do with Peyton Stearns taking it to or being the aggressor. And, of course, there were some deuce points that went Stearns' way. That match was closer than the 0-1 scoreline reflected. But, I mean, Peyton Stearns took it to her. And then, of course, you have senior Anna Tarati at number two singles, who you like as much as any two singles in the country. And I watched her, you know, at the national indoors beat everyone that she faced. Uh, you know, and just you look this season, the numbers for Anna Tarati, it, it's a joke how good. I mean, first of all, it's a joke how good all of these Texas players have been. But you look for Anna Tarati this year in singles. She's 19-3, and three, uh, you know, 11-2 and two at that number two singles position and just... A, a sure thing. She just, it, you know, it was funny because her opponent, Emmanuel Salas, um, I think she got a break back. It was either for three all or four all in that second set. But then, you know, uh, Tarati just, she broke her. I mean, Tarati just makes a million balls. And you think, you know, okay, this is the one I should approach on. No, 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 wait. This is the one I should approach on. And then Anna Tarati hits the passing shot by you. Or she gets that lob over your head. Or she hits some ridiculous spinning forehand winner. And you're just like, oh, damn. Like, that's why you are Anna freaking Tarati. And just, you know, 6-1, 6-4 victory for her. Now, I do want to say, we've talked about it all season long. The strength of this Florida State team is the bottom of their uh, lineup. Das, Hule, Allen, Garcia. They all came out swinging and scrapping, and, you know, I thought, uh, and uh, Dini Das, who was uh, faced, I don't think she faced a match point, she might have faced a match point, but, you know, I thought she was going to win that second set breaker against Lulu Sun. I thought we were going the distance there, and at 4, 5, and 6, we did go the distance, and, you know, the big... The big flex for Texas, when you take doubles point in all first uh, six first sets, you're probably winning the match. And it was interesting to see them play Lebrana and not Rapalu uh, 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 at the number six singles position. Um, and it ended up being the right choice because Fernanda Lebrana able to just stick to her plays, hit through Andrea Garcia, 6-2-2-6-6-3. But again, the problem for FSU was the push just came a little too late. They It, it was just Texas was all over them the first hour and a half of this match, and it was just too big of a deficit. But, man, did Das, Hule, Allen, Garcia, they came out swinging. And, you know, again, Hule, Allen, Garcia all take second sets. It's 6-3 for Hule, 7-6 for Allen, 6-2 for Garcia. Now, it's worth noting, Charlotte Chavatapan was up 5-2 in the third at the time of the clinch. You know, that third set on five was just getting underway. But Fernanda Labrana stuck to her plays, and she gets that 6-3 in the third victory. And, of course, what's so uh, dangerous about this Texas team. They're 25-2 and two at the six singles position. LeBron is 7-1. Rapalu uh, is 14-1. and one. So they've got options, right? And 
they flex those options. The top five is good of a top five, and I mean, I, this team is just awesome, and they looked the part, and again, I told this you this in the last podcast, I, I'm all in on Coach Hale and everything that's happening at Florida State. I'm a believer, um, and man, you could just see it on her face, just... This Texas, uh, this Florida State team came so close. Had their push started 10, 15 minutes sooner, maybe, just maybe, this match ends up 4-2 or 4-3, and there's some pressure on the line for these Texas freshmen. But what they do so well is avoid that pressure because they beat you down so badly in the first hour and a half of play. And again, Texas flexes their muscles. Such a great fl- fight from this Florida State team. I, in particular, I was locked in on that Dini Das-Lulu Sun match because I'm, I'm all in on Lulu Sun. I just think she's so talented uh, and a lefty. I just, I'm, I'm very interested in her game. Um, but Dini kept fighting, and it was so fun to watch. And just the energy of this FSU team. Again, it's, it's really stupid. I know the Baylor chant is stay together, stay together for the men. But this Florida State team stayed together. Uh, just in the end, too much talent for these Texas Longhorns. And now, you know, we get into our first semifinal preview. Our morning match is an absolute doozy. NC State versus Texas, seniors versus freshmen, the, the, the counter narratives, again, just, you know, for the ACC versus Big 12. And I think, it, you know, shout out to the Big 12. They have been killing it. I think, you know, they got two men semifinalists and they've got the women semifinalists as well. Big 12 tennis is the real deal, folks. Not that any of us were doubting that at any point. But, I mean, you look at this matchup again, it's tough to look at the numbers for Texas because of the sort of schedule they played because they beat everyone so badly here during this season. Everything's lopsided. Everyone looks good, right? And we've talked about this all week long. Their worst flight is 16-5 and five at the number one singles position. When you're winning over 75% of your worst flight, when four of your flights at the three through six singles positions have won over 90%, and it is not a typo, folks, 90% of their matches, their worst bottom four flight is being 19-2 and two at five singles. That's a joke. They're 19-3 and three at two. That's an 86% win percentage for those of you wondering. Um, yeah, it's silly. The numbers are silly. And look, in doubles, 21 and 24 at 1, 17 and 2 at 2, 20 and 6 at 3. I don't think they've dropped a doubles point all season long, or if they have, maybe it was one doubles point to perhaps UCLA, or, you know, I know they beat North Carolina in the doubles point when they played at the National Indoors, and the funny thing is, despite that, I'm kind of leaning towards NC State. Like, I do, Colin Sun versus Smith Rogers, that is everything you want in a college tennis doubles match. That match is going to be aggressive, the firepower, the energy. You know, I've, I've, I've tweeted this out a bunch, but inject that match directly into my veins, please, because that is, it's delightful. That's NCAA quarterfinals, semifinals, maybe even final quality match in terms of the individuals. Um, but, you know, that that's a toss-up. Oh, I mean, number two doubles as well. I just, you know, the combination of Daniel and, and uh, I believe Daniel's playing with Riemi, if memory uh, serves me correctly here. And, you know, them against Tarati and Lebrana. Obviously, you've got a bunch of seniors on the court there. Lebrana going to match that firepower that Daniel and Riemi can provide. Tarati's got that dose of creativity as well that perhaps the NC State team doesn't quite have. But again, I just love the way NC State keeps you on your back foot. Number three doubles, obviously, you know, Stern, Shavatapan have the talent to beat anyone you might even, despite their loss. I, I mean, do you lean towards them, though? Considering R- Rejecki and Rinchelli are 12-1, and one, they just, you know, 
clinched over Georgia. I do think I lean towards NC State in the doubles point. Like, again, this is an eye test thing because the numbers would indicate that these teams are about as evenly matched as you can expect. And, you know, again, it's an NCAA semifinals. No sh**, Alex. They're evenly matched. That was not great podcasting for me to say that. I think you guys are all well aware of that fact. But, look, this NC State team can play. They keep you on your back foot. They're super, super talented in doubles. I think they take the doubles point. Now, the problem is that Texas just can compete absolutely everywhere uh, when it comes to singles. And, of course, not saying that this NC State team can't, but, you know, again, they've won over 90% of their matches at the 3-6 through singles position. And you look, you know, for NC State, uh, they've been really good as well, but they are a bit vulnerable, it feels like, at both number 1 and number 6, as great as Anna Rodgers has been, you know, in terms of leading her team and providing that emotional dose and, I didn't mention this when I was recapping. You know, Alana Smith, after she dropped that first set, uh, Anna Rogers was on that court the rest of the way. She was staying there with her teammate and saying, look, I think she calls her Lana. She goes, look, Lana, you got this. You know, energy, energy, Lana, energy. And just Lana took the second set. It clearly worked. I'm not trying to dismiss what, uh, you know, uh, Anna Rogers has been doing for her team. But I test-wise, I just think that's a bad matchup for her in Peyton Stearns. You would lean towards Texas at that number one position. And again, it's tough with the numbers because UTRs, power six, Texas is a a two and a half point favorite over NC State. They're favored at every position. It's funny, the smallest gap is actually at number one where Stearns is only a point one favorite over Anna Rogers. And whether it's LeBron or Rapalu, they're still, you know, going to be favorites everywhere else by at least, uh, I believe it's point two UTR points, which feels significant. But then again, again, like, you have Adriana Riemi, super senior, against freshman Lulu Sun. You have Jada Daniels, senior, against Charlotte Chavatapan, Ranchelli. You know, again, all of these upperclassmen matching up against freshmen. If NC State takes that doubles point, we saw what that confidence did for them against Georgia. And then they just come out swinging. And I really do think this NC State team can beat Texas. I think, you know, again... Daniel's got the sort of power, and she's a lefty as well, that can keep Shavatapan on her back foot, which is what you have to do if you want to beat Charlotte. Ditto with Abigail Renshelly. She can keep Kylie Collins on her back foot, and if you can, you know, take a set from Collins, and I'm not trying to say get under her skin, that's that's the wrong connotation, but just get her frustrated, get her thinking a little bit much in her head. She is still a freshman, and like, I think NC State's very capable of doing that. I think Alana Smith is the perfect person to match up with Anna Tarati because Alana Smith doesn't care what you're doing. Alana Smith, it, w- watching your, she just, it's so irrelevant. She's going to play her game style. She's going to go for her shots, pull the trigger when she wants to do that, which is what you need to do against Tarati. You can't have wavering confidence. You can't have any hesitancy. And so therefore, I just like, I'm sorry. I, I, I think Smith can win that match very, very much. Now, again, Riemi, Ditto, same deal, like the power she can take to lefty Lulu Sun and put her on her back foot, and you know, again, I, I do think Lulu Sun can do exactly the same back and dish it right back to Riemi, and first serve percentage is going to be so important in this match for all of these teams because now we get nerves, you know, it's not the first semifinal in program history for Texas like it is for NC State, but it's the first semifinal for this group of Texas Longhorns, much like it is for the NC State Wolfpack, so... You know, experience-wise, again, to play an ACC conference schedule, to deal with all of the adversity NC State has dealt with, uh, that it's going to be significantly helpful. 
heading into this match. It, they're not going to be intimidated by this Texas roster. They've matched up the gauntlet. They've seen North Carolina a bunch of times. They know what it, uh, it, the best of the best look like. And this Texas team is the best of the best. And that's probably why I lean with them. <laughs> like, I just made this full case for NC State. You're like, Alex, that was a loop. That was not what was expected. Didn't you just do this with Georgia where you thought in your head and your bones that this NC State team had the talent and just has that feel, that vibe, that they're just on a run right now and they can make this NCAA championship? This team does have that vibe. And I do think they're that good. And I do think they take the doubles point. But just, I mean, Rapalu or, or Lebrana, Colin, Shavatapan, Sun. That bottom half of the lineup for Texas is so intimidating. And again, I think one in six probably go to Texas. Two through five, it's all tossed. I feel bad for picking against Anna Rod. I, I'm such an Anna Rodgers fan as well. I just think that power tennis for Stearns, I think it's a really it's a poor matchup again for Rodgers. <sighs> I mean, uh, I like. I, I can't convince myself to pick against Adriana Riemi. I can't convince myself to pick against Jada Daniel. And yet, I just went on this. I told you how good Lulu Sun and Charlotte Shvatapan are. You look at the numbers for them. What is Lulu Sun's record this year in individual dual matches? Lulu Sun, 20 and 2, 14 and 1 at the number three singles position. Shvatapan, 23 and 1, 19 and 1 overall at the four singles position as well. I mean, this the heart of this Texas lineup is so, so good. And I again, you know, Coach Joffe has talked all about the time. We haven't seen that much adversity, and I want to see my girls tested. They're going to absolutely get tested, much as they have, you know, round of 16 and the quarterfinals as well. But, yeah, 4-3 Texas. I think NC State gets the doubles point. I think they're going to find two singles lineup, uh, two singles wins in the middle of that lineup, but just the strength of this Texas team all year long has been their depth, has been their will, ability to just find ways to, you know, to just beat you down, and their, their talent shines through. I, th- I don't know, man. <laughs> it's really hard to make these picks at this point. Um, and I know I'm always going to hear from it if I do make the picks because that's part of the fun of this job at this point. I'm going to take Texas 4-3, but I do think that's a 4-3 match. And again, I think NC State takes doubles. I just think in the end, the talent, the depth for Texas wins out. But look, the funny thing is that's match number one. Respectfully, that is not our best semifinal. The best semifinal and perhaps the best match, it, like the only match, because I can't emphasize enough how good Pepperdine UCLA was and the fact that we get Pepperdine UNC now as another semifinal, that's the toughest back-to-back stretch. For Pepperdine to win this tournament, they may potentially have to go through UCLA, UNC, and then either NC State or Texas. Like, talk about a gauntlet. Talk about earning your national championship. And look, let's get into it now. This Pepperdine-UCLA match, you know, it, it had it all. It just inject veins me, please, now, and I think Coach Pear Nielsen, uh, Nielsen, excuse me, I think Pete and, and Jan, I think they pulled a fast one on us all season. I think they played a little hustle game because, let's be honest, they were not good at doubles. And when we talked to Pear a month or a month and a half ago on the Cracked Interviews podcast, he almost went out of his way to say, yeah, let's just start down 1-0 and like get into the singles because we can find four singles victories against anyone. But 
for this Pepperdine team, and you know, Fakuda and Pachkaleva just kind of took it to Golik and Wolf at two. You know, they were the aggressors. They were on their front foot, 6-4 victory. Meanwhile, the flip side, whenever you have Alicia Bolton, her power tennis playing three doubles, you feel good about herself. And look, Abby Altick, who I will admit I am biased towards because, oh, and by the way, this Pepperdine-UNC match was a power couple match. Who did we have in the stands? We had Sam Riffis and CeCe Bellis. We had, you know, uh, Kyle Selig, who I found out is engaged to Jessica Fela. And in case you're listening to this, Sam Gore, CeCe Bellis, Fela, Fela, Fela. Well, it wasn't CeCe because she wasn't on the call. I think it was Katrina. Fela, Fela, Fela. All day fey. That's how you remember the pronunciation. Jessica Fela. Um which I, I just bring up because, again, come on. If we're doing the broadcast, let's do it right. Um, but, look, it's to have Anastasia Imachkine back in your lineup was great. But uh, I mentioned power couples, by the way. So Selig was there for Fela. And then Abby Altic, uh dating, I would say at this point, let's be honest, good friend of mine in Ben Goldberg. Um, it's funny. I say good friends. We probably hung out like five times in person. But we again, that's my guy. Um, any, anyways, and by the way, coaches, if you're looking for a, a young aspiring coach, you're not going to find a better candidate than Ben Goldberg. You know who connects with every person they speak with, and just there's a kindness about it. Anyways, I'm not I'm not making the pitch for any coaches. But if you're looking for a coach, trust me, a young a young prospect, Ben Goldberg is going to be a successful college tennis coach. Anyways, moving on past that. Um, Abby Altick, the reason, again, I bring up Ben is because Abby and Ben have been dating for quite a bit of time, and so I'm a little bit biased towards Abby, but she played her best match. Like, she was outstanding, absolutely outstanding, and her and Alicia end up getting the victory, 7-5 at the number three position, and I will say 5-6, 40-30, Fela hits this high forehand volley, lets out a come on, half second too soon, it was a half second too soon, and Alicia Bolton was going to, I'm not going to say she was going to track down the ball, but she wasn't, and, and make a shot, but she wasn't not going to track it down. And so, you know, she appealed to the ref and said that was a hindrance. And I, I don't mean to be rude, but it kind of was a hindrance. Like she pulled the trigger a half second too soon on the come on. And then it got to a deuce point and Bolton and Altic take that deuce point. Seven, five set uh, goes to UCLA. But Clearly, the tennis gods disagreed and thought that it wasn't a hindrance because simultaneously to that happening, Jada Hart, Abby Forbes went up 6-2 in the breaker on Ashley Leahy and Lisa Czar. And as good as Ashley Leahy has been during her college career, you know what she's never been known for? Her doubles prowess. Yet that's exactly what comes through uh, in this moment, just her confidence, her poise, her calmness. And I will say, Hart and Forbes, I don't... It's so mean to say this because I'm such a fan of both of them, and I'm, I'm not trying to say they don't handle pressure. Like, I can't emphasize enough. It's not that they don't handle pressure well, but they did blink a little bit in that breaker. They had a couple of high volleys, a couple of points to put it away, but then the amazing part was once that comeback happened, there were a couple of set-point chances for Pepperdine, and oh my God, did Jada Hart bring out the goods there, her hands at the net, her quick reactions. She fought off, you know, it probably should have been an 8-6 or 9-7 decision for Pepperdine, but it wasn't because Jada Hart just kept coming back with the goods, and her and Forbes make so many balls in the court, and you know, so did Zara and Leahy in this match. It was an hour-long doubles point. I mean, how often do you see an hour-long doubles point in no ad scoring, one set, you know, tie-break format? That's how competitive and spirited this match got. It was so delightful. Oh. I mean, screwed up the schedule. I don't think I've recovered from a sleep standpoint, but I'm spending five minutes on a doubles point, and again, it's a credit to Pepperdine. Leahy and Zara, who you look this season, I think they've played like 
I think that was the first match they've actually completed at the number one doubles position. They're 1-0, according to the Pepperdine stat sheet, at number one doubles, that duo, and that's their first match they've completed. To make that your first set you've completed, it's a testament to Leahy and Zara, who, again, kept coming up with the goods, just put so much pressure on Hart and Forbes. They earn a 7-6 victory, 10-8 in the breaker, and just like we mentioned it in the preview. Pepperdine's probably the team in the tournament best suited to find four singles points when they drop doubles. But if they get doubles, I I don't know how you beat them. And I have to give all of the credit in the world to these UCLA Bruins because they nearly freaking did it. They nearly pulled it off. And, you know, Alicia Bolton, who I have to say the Bolton parents, family, one of my favorites as well. You know, Alicia had match points at number three singles. She wins that match. UCLA wins. And it's as simple as that. But... I mean, you look across the board, you know, Leahy takes the first set at one, Fela takes it at two, Pachkaleva at three. Um, they got the three first sets they needed, and, you know, so did UCLA in that match. You could just tell after the first hour of singles, it was like, who's going to win? Still not sure. Second hour of singles, who's going to win? Still not sure. And you got to give credit to UCLA, who came out swinging at the bottom of the lineup, and it was I was exactly wrong. I said Czar, uh, you know, at five, she's lost once. I know she wasn't great against Michigan, but I like her point against anyone. She drops a two and three decision to Abby Altic, who, again, played as good of a match as I've seen her play, not just this year, but maybe in her career, and just... Zar couldn't hurt her, and Altec moved the ball around so well. She played so confidently, so freely, which is what you want to see in these quarterfinals. A player playing their best tennis. She did. It was a two and three victory for her. As you guys know, AG stick together. Annette Golik uh, at number six single seven six six three win over Nikki Redelik. I have to say, one of my favorite battles was actually the off-court battle between Nikki's brother and uh, Reince, the assistant coach for UCLA, and. You know, Reince is an energetic, spirited guy. He loves to yell good patterns and good playing and just getting his player's head in. You know, Redelick's brother was just, mm, I don't want to say mocking, but just, I mean, he was mocking. He was repeating everything UCLA's uh, coach was saying and, like, it definitely got in the UCLA coach's head, which you don't love. But that's the environment. That's college tennis for you. You have to embrace that somewhere in the sport if we want it to grow. And, like, that energy was just contagious top to bottom. It was a packed stands here in Orlando and again it's a credit to AG and I want to say Nikki Redlick who's had foot injuries I believe the past two years and just there are times when you can tell it bothers her and I think it was early in that in that uh second set it was like two all where she kind of stepped down on her foot and she immediately stopped and looked down and kind of gave her coaches I think Jan their uh uh, their volunteer coaches on the court she kind of gave them an oh no like it's happening again right now but it's a credit to Redlick who fought but AG just put so many balls in the court was moving the ball so well to the outer thirds and just, again, put the sort of pressure you need to put on Nikki Redelick. And for UCLA to get wins at five and six, you know, now you start to think to yourself, oh man, like maybe the recipe is breaking. And Viv Wolf played an excellent first set against Shiori Fukuda to take it seven six as well. And, you know, at that point after the clinch, Abby Forbes had taken a six two second set against Ashley Leahy and she seemed to be, you know, back in that match. But then the Pepperdine waves came, and, you know, or Alicia Bolton, after dropping her first set, she takes a 6-1 second set as well, and just felt like UCLA had all the momentum. That first hour, hour and a half of singles, they made their push, and again, it's a credit to Abby Forbes, who comes back 4-6-6-2-6-4. She could very well win the NCAA tournament, folks, and if she gets a wild card in the U.S. Open, I know she, I believe, plans to spend four years at UCLA, but 
she's a pro. Like, she will be a pro. I think she's going to be a good one, too. Uh, she gets a three-set win over Leahy, who, talking to her, it was so funny because Ashley obviously helped clinch that doubles point. That doubles point was the decider, but she was so frustrated with her singles performance, and that's why she's a champion because, you know, even success, she doesn't get satisfied. She believes she can be even better. That's why she's Ashley freaking Leahy. But again, credit to Abby Forbes for earning that victory. But now... You know, again, I've dished a lot of praise to the UCLA Bruins. They didn't even win this match. That's a testament to the level. It's time to praise this Pepperdine team. Oh, my goodness. Jess Fela at two singles is a joke. It's a joke. And I'm not saying she shouldn't be there because that's how good Leahy is as well. But you go into every match thinking we're going to get a dub from Jess. And that's what she delivers over Jada Hart for her to take that first set tiebreaker 9-7. You know, you could just—I felt so crushed for Jess. Uh, see, here come the tears. I'm going to choke up. Jada Hart is the real deal. Love Jada. Uh, but once she took, you know, once Jess took that first set, you could just tell she had Jada. And she just moves the ball so well around the court. She's so aggressive from the baseline. She can respond to everything you're trying to do. And she, her energy, her presence, she's just, after every point, it's a big come on. Again, she epitomizes everything you want in college tennis. Seven six six four, uh, she earns that win uh, to put another point on the board for the Bruins. And then it's funny because that match actually finished after Tasha Pashkaleva's six three one six seven five win over Bolton. And again, Bolton had match points. She was right there. Her I think it was five three or five four maybe that she took the lead in that second set and ser- or third set and served for it. And you know there was only one break of serve in that first set and. You know, Pachkaleva was able to hold on to it, and then Bolton came out swinging. Forehand was moving so well around the court, and, you know, again, it's worth noting Alicia Bolton really screwed up her ankle a few months ago, and for her to even get back on the court and not have to undergo surgery and rehab as aggressively as it did, it's a testament to her commitment to not only the sport, but to her teammates. She wanted to be out there scrapping and fighting for them, but... You know, again, when she couldn't hold on those match points, you could just tell Pachkaleva kind of had her. And Pachkaleva does such a good job of absorbing and redirecting your pace and adding a little extra oomph on it as well. And she plays a little flatter ball, and Alicia Bolton hits one of the heavier forehands I've seen in college tennis. You know, her, Ashley Leahy, the amount of topspin they're able to put on that ball. It's why they're so successful at doing what they do. But Pachkaleva scratched and clawed and got her way back into that match, 7-5 in the third, and then... I I don't mean to call her my girl, but it came down to my girl, Shishi Fukuda, who you're not going to find a nicer person in college tennis. I know I mentioned that about Jada Hart, ditto for Shiori, and just, you know, the fifth there. Is she a fifth year? I don't know. She's a senior for sure, and former number one singles player at Ohio State. To have her at number four singles, you feel like it's a freaking joke, and just, you know, Vivian Wolf ground her down in that first set, but then, you know, it felt like it was, a, I think it was a 2-1 or 2-all in the second or in the third set where Viv had a couple of breakpoint chances to take control of that set but you know she she kept swinging and once she already got that 3-2 lead once she got that first break you could just see body language all Pepperdine the confidence Shiori was playing with the you know chest bumps over her heart turning to her teammates you know I think she had her teammates backs as much as her teammates had her back she was so excited to be competing in that three all sudden death scenario she just embraced the energy embraced the crowd of course that's very easy to do when you're winning in a situation like that but I mean, look, again, I said from the beginning, I think Pear, I think Pete, I think Jan, they pulled a fast one on us because if this Pepperdine team's going to take doubles points like they have in their past two matches, I don't know how you beat them. And, you know, again, Shuri Fukuda, 
seven and zero at the number four singles position this year. It's the luxury of all luxuries. I you, you like her over any opponent she faces at that spot. And she earns a three-set victory to deliver Pepperdine their first NCAA semifinal in program history. And this program deserves to be in the semifinals. They've been that good. You look at the pro circuit right now. Uh, obviously, Meyer Sharif is having success. And, you know, Leahy, I, I, if she pursues pro tennis, I would love to see because I think she could be super successful at it. And just, you know, so much talent has come through Malibu over the years. It's a credit to Coach Nielsen again and, and what they're building over there. But, ugh. This was the match of all matches. For this to be your round of six, uh, for this to be a quarterfinal match, not even a semi. Like this UCLA team had no business losing in the semifinals. And I know draw wise, like okay, who do you who do you replace them with in the semis? Maybe NC State. I would love to see that match. I think NC State UCLA would have been four three, and it's just unfortunate because of how many good teams there were this year. I do think. You know, I do think Georgia State and NC, again, I've I've said it all season, I think there was a top four tier. I think UNC, Texas, Pepperdine, UCLA, with all due respect to Georgia and NC State, although we'll find out here today, I think throughout the season, those four teams existed on kind of a different plane than everyone else because of the talent they had top to bottom, because of just how many pathways they had to four points. And to have two of those four teams play in the quarterfinal, uh, you know, it was tragic for us college tennis fans who wanted to see that match in a semi, in a final, but I don't know where else they were supposed to be at the draw because Georgia was a justifiable number three seed. Like, you can't argue with the numbers for them. They lost once in the regular season. And so you're just crushed for this UCLA team. Again, Jada Hart will always have a special place in my heart because my first few years of covering college tennis were so closely tied to her UCLA women's teams. But this Pepperdine team, absolute studs. And now, obviously, they face the test of all tests as they're going to take on UNC. And, you know, again, it's amazing. I'm talking about four matches or six matches here. I'm going to go for an hour probably on this podcast. I know there's a lot to say about this UNC-Duke match. Duke played about as good of a first hour, hour and a half of singles as you could have asked. And, you know, they almost stole that doubles point as well. Chi and Billiken were exceptional at one. They took it to Davitella and Mora, 6-2. There was no doubt about it. And then, you know, on the flip side, credit to McKenna Jones, Elizabeth Scotty clearly finding their rhythm at two. You look at the numbers for this UNC team, Jones and Scotty at that number two doubles position, 10 and one. Uh, this season, 12-1 and one overall in terms of uh, the matches they've played. They take a 6-4 win over Beck and Baronkova. That's a really good win considering how good that Beck Baronkova team can be. And then it came down to Sanford and Tran versus Chor- uh, Chen and Drummy. And like Chen and Drummy, that's your one and two singles players for Duke. Sanford and Tran, under most circumstances, they don't even play singles for these UNC Tar Heels. Of course, Riley Tran, I think, is like 15-0 and 0 in the singles matches she has played this season or something crazy like that. And we'll get back to her in a moment. But, you know... Ali San- you could just see Ali Sanford's the super senior, right? And she, there's no scenario she hasn't seen during her college career. And to have her at three doubles is such a freaking luxury. And just, you know, again, they get the break. They get the hold. 7-5 doubles point goes to the Tar Heels. Duke played about as good of a doubles point as they could have. And to not win that point was clearly a, a momentum blow. But you didn't see it in the first sets of singles, and shout out to Duke, they get the four first sets they need across the board, you know, Mabel Chi put up a six love set on McKenna Jones, that was an eye-popping thing, and it's funny, I was trying to record the the podcast with Banchilla late on Wednesday night, so that you guys would all have the pods early Thursday morning before, you know, very much before the match has begun, um, and began, excuse me, hey, great shot, 
Um, and then the second I saw that set end and I saw, you know, uh, Georgia Drummy take a 6-4 on Alexa, and Riley Tran, I think, was down 4-0 in her first set uh, against, um, or was up 4-0, but then she ends up losing her first set against Carolina Barankova. Um, it was noticeable, or excuse me, they got three first sets, not four, but then uh, you look across the board, wait, let me see, one, two, three, Oh, no, 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 they did get four. Thank you, because Chloe Beck earned a straight. She was the 6-1 uh, over Cam Mora, and it was, yeah, it was Beck and Jones who lost 6-0 and 6-1 sets at 3-4 and four pretty quickly, and that was when I texted Ban Chill, and I was like, hey, man, I don't think I'm going to be able to record tonight. I got to go watch this match. Uh, and so, you know, but what do the greatest teams do? They scrap, they claw, they flex their muscles, they wake up, and there was almost a mutiny on our hands at the USTA campus because, of course, Tennis Channel on the broadcast, UNC match didn't start till like 10 p.m. because of how, or 9 p.m. because of how late that Pepperdine-UCLA match went. And I swear to God, one of the Carolina parents, who I will love forever, they screamed, start the doubles! And I thought there was going to be a mutiny. And I was like kind of rooting for it. I wanted to like instigate and poke the flames and like, yeah, start the doubles! And I just wanted to hear, start the doubles, start the doubles on the far side of the courts, obviously. But they didn't do that. And I suppose that was a good thing for all of us fans because then we all got to watch it on Tennis Channel, even though, you know, I was in person, but everyone else got to watch it uh, on Tennis Channel. But again, what do national championship winning teams do? What do teams with 47 straight wins do when their backs are pushed against the wall? They respond. And again, it felt like Duke used all of their magic in that first hour, hour and a half of singles, and then Carolina came out swinging. And I think Georgia Drummy, number two singles player for uh, Duke, she had match points on Alexa Graham. And if she finishes out that match, you do wonder the trickle-down effect because Kelly Chen took that second set 6-2 on Davitell, and, you know, Jones was in a third set. Tran was in a third set at 4-6, and six, but Carolina started flexing. And Fiona Crawley is so, so good. I had people think she's going to play number one singles, and, of course, you know, this team loses Davitella Graham and Jones, but they think Fiona Crawley might legitimately be the best singles player on the roster already. And, you know, for her to win that match 1-0 and over Margarita Billiken, put that quick 2-0 lead on the board for her heels, that made a difference. And then, you know, Chloe Beck's a stud. Super sophomore. She clearly made a jump this season. And, you know, the sad part is, for Duke, we know their recipe. So often it's doubles, two, three, four. They almost had that, right? They they almost take doubles. They don't, but then they got the first sets they needed at two, three, and four. And credit to Carolina Bronkova, who, as I mentioned, I think she was 4-0 down in that first set. Tran kind of hurt her ankle on a point, and Bronkova ends up taking, you know, seven of the next eight games or whatever it was to earn a 7-5 first set, but it was funny. I think there was a conversation between Tran, the trainer, the coach. He's like, look. I know I screwed that set up. I'm not going anywhere. Don't worry about me. 6-1, 6-1 the next two sets. She was awesome to put that third point on the board. And then, look, McKenna Jones was number one in the country. She's as good as any player you're going to find. She found her rhythm. She's just started grinding down Maple Chi, these loopy forehands to buy herself time, then moving Chi to the outer thirds, doing all of these different things. She was awesome in this match. And you know, that's why she's a super senior. That's why this team is so dangerous because even when Davitell and Graham, and by the way, Lex had found her rhythm, and I don't know if I can call her Lex. I don't know if we're quite there. If you hear this, Lexa, you tell me if I can call you. There's no way Alexa Graham listens to Minute and 54 of the Mini Break podcast. I can promise you all that right now. Um, but she was a AG stick together. She found her rhythm once she took that second set, and I think Georgia was doing a little bit of scoreboard watching as well, and you just felt like, okay, Carolina's got this match, and you know Davitella Chen credited Kelly Chen, who did not have the season she was looking for, but here at the NCAA tournament, 
brought her best stuff, gave the performances her Blue Devils needed. But again, you know, when you have a former number one player in the country legitimately playing number four singles, when you can pull Elizabeth Scotty and not miss a step in the lineup if you're Carolina, it's damn good news. And so, you know, again, it's Jones 06-6464 with the clinch. UNC uh, earns a 4-1 victory to advance to the semifinals once again. And, you know, now we get the matchup folks. They're going to take on Pepperdine. It's a rematch from the National Indoors. You kind of can throw that one out the window, though, right? Because, you know, there was no um, there was no Ashley Leahy in the lineup for Pepperdine at the time. And, you know, at the time, Pashkaleva, Czar, they were still so early in their careers, and they hadn't quite found the rhythm like they had now. And, you know, Fakuda and just Fela were up a little higher in the lineup and all of these different things. And, I mean, it's funny because early in the season, Pepperdine's UTR Power 6 was higher than North Carolina's. It no longer is. North Carolina's 65.02, Pepperdine's 63.97. You look up and down the board, uh, UCLA, uh, UCLA, excuse me, North Carolina favored at five of the six flights, although I'll point out four of the five favorites are under .2 in terms of UTR favorites. Um, you know, the only lopsided one on UTR, Crawley, if she plays six singles, if we do see Elizabeth Scotty back in the lineup, um, you like her at six over Redelick. Like, not to be disrespectful to Nikki, you just, Fiona Crawley's so freaking good. Um, so that, you feel like, for Carolina, is as good as a point as anything. I lean Carolina in doubles as well, but, again, it's a different, like, just historically, Carolina's been better this season, but this Pepperdine team's got the momentum. I mean, they're absolutely feeling themselves on the doubles court, and, look, I mean... Davitel and Leahy are really freaking good. Uh, Davitel and Leahy, excuse me. Leahy and Zara are really good at one. They can absolutely beat Davitel and Moore. And Cam Moore is clearly struggling with her form here in Orlando. And I, I know she, how hard she's been working to try and find that form here for the rest of the tournament. But what am I supposed to say? Like, Eileen Pachkaleva at three. I, top two matches, your bet's as good as mine. Like, Fakuda versus a healthy Elizabeth Scotty, you maybe lean Fakuda, but because of the lack of health for Elizabeth Scotty, but if Scotty plays her best match, you saw what she did against Shavathapan at the National Indoors. Like, again, what are the ones... I like Crawley at six. I like Pachkaleva at three, but if Mora plays well, you never know what can happen. Like, I would say... I, I kind of like three and four for Pepperdine. I like six for UNC, and everything else is a freaking toss-up. Like, are you serious? You want me to make a prediction for this match? What? My prediction is 4-3. Like, and I know that's that's a cop-out, and that's not why I'm here. You know, you guys don't listen to hear me cop-out, but legitimately, I watch as much college tennis, I think, as any person in the world, maybe in the history of the world. I just don't know. Like, I really don't know. Like, sure, Leahy hits a more dynamic ball than Sarah Davitella, but Sarah Davitella has never lost a match ever. It's an unofficial step, but she's never lost a match ever when she's needed uh, when she's needed to win. You know, Fela versus Graham. <laughs> that match has everything you want. That match is going to get fiery, testy, aggressive. Mm, inject that one. You know where that can go. Czar versus Jones, like, by their form, you lean McKenna-Jones. So, again, I guess you see two points on the board for both teams. And then who can get doubles? Like, that's what this comes down to. Whoever wins doubles, in my opinion, wins this match. Because I just don't think either of these teams are going to find four singles victories at this stage of the tournament. And I lean North Carolina. Like, I know 
way he and Zara won that match at number one doubles. You can't fake what that sort of confidence will do for the team. We were down 6-2 in a set, and we ended up uh, in a tiebreaker, and we ended up winning it. Like, what else can Leahy and Zara do? Anything, right? At the same time, I just, the continuity of these Carolina doubles teams, they've been so good at it for so long. You look again by the numbers, and it's, again, similar pairings. I know he's played around a little bit, but Sanford and Tran, 14-3. and Jones and Scotty, 10-1. and Davitell and Mora, 10-1. and I just think they have more repetitions. They're a little bit more match-tough in doubles. And then again, I don't see four singles victories for any of these teams. Now, it's a typical bait-and-switch, right? I'm going to pick Pepperdine, and they're going to take—I'm going to pick North Carolina win doubles. Pepperdine's going to take it. I'm going to look like a fool. <sighs> Man, it's so tough. So, so tough. 4-3 North Carolina. They've won 48 matches in a row. They do feel a little bit like a team of destiny. And again, what do the best teams do even when they don't play their best tennis? And let's be clear, they didn't play their best tennis against Duke, but they still found a way when the moment was right to wake up, to flex their guns. I just think this Carolina team is special. And it's not that Pepperdine isn't special. I just think this UNC team is historically special. So is Pepperdine, honestly, to be honest. So is Texas. So is NC State. But give me the heels. I'm going to stick with them. I know they're the top seeds. I know it's the boring pick, but I'm going to take the heels to advance in that one. But regardless, again, top to bottom, fantastic quarterfinal round. Everything you'd want as a college tennis fan. And then again, I just, I think these semis are going to be classics as well. I think the final is going to be a classic. I think these next two days are going to feature such phenomenal tennis. I could not be more excited to be here in Orlando. And again, I mentioned this at the top. I can't thank all of you enough. The fans who stick around till 1 a.m., 1.30, and the people who create this energy, this atmosphere at, at Lake Nona, it means the world to College Tennis Nation. It's also showing fans who aren't perhaps particularly inclined to follow the sport at this level that, oh, man, maybe I should because the action can really be that good. <sighs> yeah. I'm sticking North Carolina. I, I don't know why I like paused there. I thought I was going to make another prediction. The point is, again, if you're if you're in Orlando, come say hello. I want to talk college tennis. This is the best of the best. If you're a coach, player, well, I suppose coach because players are a little bit young probably. If you're a coach, you want to grab a drink at any point to talk about this action, you know where to find me. I've got my white cracked rackets hat on. It's been devastating for my hairline. I'm double dosing on the finasteride to try and stay as fast as I are, to stay as healthy as I can, but might be time for the grafts, folks. Might be time to just replace this bad boy. Just kidding. but Or it's time to shave the head, one or the other, I suppose. But, I mean, if you don't like these past two days, I don't know what to tell you. If you don't like these last two days, you didn't listen to this podcast. You're not at minute, you know, 61 of the show. It's just been everything you want and more. Fantastic home stretch to the college tennis season. And again, Maddie Stacks at a minimum. Hopefully, Chris as well going to be joining me to recap all the men's quarterfinal action preview, the semifinals. That's going to run as a great shot podcast, so be on the lookout for that. I have been in these press conferences. I should be providing the clips for you. I just look, super producer Daniel Westoff works his tail off. And um, I happen to know one of his closest friends. They're having a child soon, so they're all going to St. Louis to celebrate that fact this weekend. I don't want to make life too difficult for him, so I apologize for that. I will say shout-out to some of these programs and some of these people who have used my clips to in uh, publicly. I'm very flattered by that fact. And, again, if, if you, I, I think all of these press conferences are publicly available. So if you'd like to hear from these players, these coaches, you can find it on the NCAA website and you can find them on YouTube. You can often find them on the team page links as well. 
it's going to be a fantastic home stretch. And of course, if you have missed any of the action, you can catch up on it all on our website, crackrackets.com. You need a more immediate update Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. We are at Cracked Rackets. You want to message me directly, I'm at Great Shot Pod. Shout out as always to the aforementioned super producers, Max Fleeger and Daniel Westoff, for the f of it. Any job they do day in, day out. Shout out as well to our friends at Midwest Sports. Go to MidwestSports.com. Use that promo code CR15 to uh, get 15% off your order and let them know we sent you there as well. But with that in mind, for Super Producers Fleeger and Westoff, for our friends at Midwest Sports, and for all of us here at both Cracked Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. You know what we say. That's the break. We will see you all tomorrow. Thanks, everyone. We'll be right back.